Hello, everybody. Welcome back to the Upside Swings Draft Podcast, the podcast with the highest ceiling. I'm your host, Bryce Hendricks, joined as always by the great Stone Hansen, and joined in the next, uh, the second to last of our series of guests here. That's the great Andrew Kelly of Peachtree Hoops. Uh, he's a Hawks writer and, and just one of the best out there. Andrew, how you doing? I'm good, man. Thanks for having me on. Yeah, of course. Thank you so much for coming on. Uh, it always means a lot of people take the time out to, to come on our little podcast and talk draft. Uh, Stone, my friend, how you doing? Uh, doing well, as always. Um, the Hawks are a pretty intriguing team, so I'm pretty interested to hear what Andrew has to say about their draft night. Yeah, I mean, the Hawks are uh, awesome. Like, I, I can't find other words <laughs> yeah. for it. They were, the, in my opinion, even after the Bucks have won the finals, they were the story of, uh, of this playoffs. I mean, Trey Young, it was just incredible. They're, like, Travis Schlank building a team based, like, primarily on like one ball handler and then just elite wing depth is is something we haven't really seen from from teams projected to be as good as Atlanta's art is going to be um it's just like they were an awesome team so I guess that's where I want to start Andrew like how are you feeling about the Hawks and 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 what do you think they need to kind of address here at 20 yeah I think your introduction was well designed there I think you hit on the right points um it's funny uh going into the playoffs uh they had never won a game before in the conference finals and they had been in Atlanta for over 50 years since they moved from St. Louis. They won a title there in 1958. And of course they made the conference finals in 2015 and got swept. Um, so this was officially the deepest run they've ever made in the playoffs. I mean, I can't say it was expected. Um, I did favor them against New York. I just thought that, you know, they clearly had a better roster. Uh, Philly, it was hard for me to read just because I didn't know what the deal was with Embiid's uh, uh, meniscus. And then uh, I didn't, I wasn't very optimistic against Milwaukee, but it was a fun ride throughout. Like you said, it was cool to see guys like Herter and Reddish, you know, even at the end um, was really impressive. So it was a great ride. I'm still kind of taking it all in and just looking forward to the draft. Yeah, uh, I, I'm with you. Uh, I, I, I called Hawks and five and Nick's Twitter was very mad at me, but uh, you know, it, it turned out in my favor. That's the, that's yeah, that. you nailed it. Yeah, that's the top, like, that's the best prediction I'll ever make in my life. It's only downhill from here. <laughs> but this Hawks team is is really fun, and, and there's a lot of really fascinating talent on this team. Uh, you know, obviously Trey Young, uh, but they have sort of have the impending free agency of, of John Collins, restricted free agency. Uh, they have Kevin Herter. They have DeAndre Hunter and Cam Reddish uh, drafted in the same year. They just have a lot of talent. You know, Onyeka Okongwu, like, sixth pick sort of forgot throughout the year and then stepped up huge in the playoffs and looked awesome. I mean, it's just a, they're just a fascinating young team. Um, so Andrew, like what, what is this team missing that you think they should be looking to address here at 20? Obviously they're a team that from the outside doesn't seem to have a huge role missing aside from maybe backup point guard, but what type of player do you think they should be looking for here? And, and, and what, how do you think they should be building this roster out? Yeah, you you nailed it with with the need there. I think that when you look at the roster, I think you can make a case that they honestly could have the best group of 23 and under talent in the league. Like I don't I don't think that's too much of a reach to say when you consider the depth of it, especially. So they're not particularly pressed for any one need. They have a number of wing players. They've got an interesting big in a Kongwu, uh, another guy uh, in Collins. Who they'll have to figure out the contract situation with him. But they pretty much have an interesting young player, at least at, at every position right now. So they're, they're pretty set. Um, like you said, backup point guard is really what most stands out. If you assume that they're going to bring Collins back, they'll have to get a, a backup for a Kongwu who's going to miss the first half of the season. Uh, I'm not sure if you saw that. You probably did. That news came out a, a couple of days ago. Um, so they'll have to get a backup for, for him for the time being. And uh, they'll have their MLE that they can use if they want to sign a, a point guard. You know, if they want to get like a TJ McConnell or someone like that, they could address that in free agency. But obviously that's the clear roster need. But I still favor a best player available approach. You know, I've sort of divided my my Hawks board up into guys that would be high upside options, but I think are unlikely to fall to them. And then I have more realistic targets and stuff that, that we'll get into. Yeah, there's definitely some interesting names. Uh, we could kind of dive into free agency later. That, that MLE 
could be interesting for a backup point guard. But I think I think I'm sort of of the opinion that you shouldn't be trying to draft like your backup point guard with a 20th pick unless like he just really, really falls into your lap. Um, so, Andrew, you mentioned some names you really like. So uh, what we love about having a team with the 20th pick is like we were ta- we've been talking about the, the top of the draft a little recently and it's it's fun, but it's like, yeah, like it's going to be Evan Mobley or uh, Jalen Green, right? When it's the 20th pick, we get to talk about like 15 guys in an episode and that's always a blast yeah. for us. So, Andrew, let's just hear some names and what you think and and we'll sort of kind of fill in uh, how we think of them as prospects and how we think they could fit here in Atlanta. Well, at 20, like you said, there's just a number of guys that could be there. And I think it's actually a good, a good spot to draft every year. You're going to have some guys that just sort of tumble for whatever reason. And at that spot, you're in a, a great position to take advantage of a guy who, who fell to you. Uh, Travis Links had a lot of success in this part of the draft. Uh, he got John Collins and Kevin Herter, both at 19 in back-to-back drafts. So he's, he's been a good drafter around the middle in addition to the top. So, like I said, I have some more upside guys that I like that I'm not 100%, you know, less than that even. I don't think that they'll make it to them based on recent buzz, but probably my favorite overall for just a combination of reasons would probably be Jaden Springer of Tennessee. I just think that he brings some stuff to the table that the Hawks don't currently have. Like getting a really good point of attack defender, that was an issue and throughout the playoffs. I mean, it was it was made worse by the fact that they didn't have Hunter available and Reddish didn't play really till the very end of it, but getting another point of attack, a point of attack defender, I think makes a lot of sense. Um, you can never really have too many secondary creators too. And that's what I really like about him. And he's further ahead of a shooter as a shooter than some other guys of his archetype were at the same point, like a DeAnthony Melton or someone like that. And obviously he's really young. He has a great advanced stats profile. He just, he just checks a lot of boxes. And I think that if I had to sort of pick one guy that maybe has, you know, a better than 30% chance at least to make it there. Although it does seem like he's very much rising. If you, you know, believe the latest Intel, he would probably be my favorite guy. Yeah. I think that's, that's a great pick. Uh, Stone, do you have any thoughts there? Um, Yeah, I think Springer is someone that um, I know is, has been linked to the Hawks in terms of like uh, mock drafts and stuff like that, sort of around this area. Um, And I think it's, the the right pick here depending on again who's who's dropped um he just seems to um as andrew said they need point of attack defense and i think he provides that uh he's still really young so he fits their timeline and there's a lot of growth and upside to be had there i think um he plays or he projects to play really well off of trey young too i think they complement each other really well in terms of um, filling each other's weaknesses uh, so I, I really like that. Um, he's also super strong. So being able to sort of um, slash and, and do that aspect of it, um, especially with the concerns or, or injury, um, I guess not so much concerns, but uh, injury worries to that may come up with, with Bogdanovich. And uh, so there, he fills sort of that um, shooting guard type role. For them in the off guard role uh, and you know when Bogdanovich isn't isn't hitting them we've seen them go cold before uh, spring is just sort of another option that they're out there so uh, I think it makes a lot of sense for them here at 20. Yeah I think that your point too especially about how he fits with Trey is is really on, on the mark I mean I think when you're looking at prospects for Atlanta a good starting point is to ask yourself you know does this player fit with Trey because with most teams you're still you want talent above all else and that's still true with the Hawks but they do at least have a franchise player in place so always in the back of the in your head I, I think it makes sense to sort of envision how this player could fit and, and certainly Springer is a really easy fit with Trey just his skill set is the type of player that you want next to a guy like that. So uh, I think he, he he fits well with Trey. He fits a need, and he also has an upside profile too. So he's just very intriguing, I think, and he's a great fit for the Hawks. Yeah, and the last thing I'll point out there is I think he could be pretty positionally versatile. You know, if you want him to be a backup point guard down the line or you want him to be, you know, the starting two, or, or I think he can probably even play the three in some, in some yeah. like, all-guard. Like, I could see him playing next to Herter or Bogdanovich and Trey. Like, I think yeah. he could definitely do yeah. that because he's so big. Um, but Andrew, we, you know, Jaden Springer, to me, like, that's the ideal pick. If, if he's there at 20, unless there's someone really, really unexpected there, like, go get him. Uh, what are 
some other guys in that range you kind of like. Okay, I'll give you a couple more that I think are just really good upside options that I would love to see fall to Atlanta. I don't think they will, but based on some of the mock drafts out there, I think there's at least a chance. Uh, another guy that I really like is uh, Kai Jones of Texas. I just think that he's a really interesting fit with the Kongloos uh, specifically. One of the Kongloos best traits, I mean, really his best trait is just his mobility and his ability to defend at the level of the screen. But one issue is that he, he doesn't have great length. I think we never really got an official standing length, uh, excuse me, standing reach measurement for him, but I believe he's around nine feet, which is like obviously subpar for a center. So it makes sense to have another big out there that has the ability to help out, help out with rim protection, help out with rebounding and, and that kind of thing. Um, so because a Congo just doesn't have uh, as much margin for air to get back to the rim. So I, I think it makes sense to have another kind of help side rim protector. So I really like how Kai could fit in there. And I just think his game could complement Trey's. I mean, he's going to, you know, he's going to have plenty of opportunities for lobs. And he just has such incredible flashes, you know. I mean, you see him in transition sometimes where he just looks like a gazelle. I mean, if you just sort of envision what he could look like in the future, I mean, you get the outlines of this big who can grab a rebound and get up the floor, who's somebody who can, you know, uh, knock down a three and also make, you know, a, a t attack the basket out of spot up too. So he just has a pretty interesting skill set if you are willing to be patient with him. And the Hawks are in a position where they can kind of bring him along slowly. You know, they wouldn't have to throw him out there right away. So I think it's sort of a conducive environment to his development. So he's another guy that really stands out for me. I'm just a fan of his in general. Yeah, yeah we're noted Kai Jones lovers on this podcast. Um, and I think, uh, you kind of mentioned it where he's um, he, he fits well next to a Congo. And I think a lot of that is because uh, at least the way I envision Kai and I think Bryce as well is he's basically like a wing and a really big body. Yeah. Um, he's, he's a got, big four to me. Yeah. Yeah. He's got a lot of like wing type skills that I think complement a Congo quite well. Um, and like you're saying, when you're playing next to Trey and, and the, the lob threat that he is, that that's really enticing because uh, you can pretty much throw it up for Kai Jones and, and you can feel comfortable about him uh, being able to get it. So I, I think that makes a lot of sense for them as well. Uh, another name I wanted to throw at you, I'm not really sure. I, I wasn't really sure in terms of his fit, but I know in terms of value, it would be a, a good pick for me. Um, what would you think about like a Trey man there at 20? He gets mocked there to, to the Hawks a ton. You know, he might be their most mocked player. Just, you know, I try to pay attention to as many as possible. And um, I believe he's around number 20 or somewhere thereabouts, at least on the ESPN big board. I have to double check. But, man, he's a fascinating player. And he's, he's really hard for me to get a read on because there are some big concerns with me. Um, I may be wrong on this, but didn't he have like a negative wingspan or, or, or something thereabouts? Like I think his, it was a, a plus one. <laughs> plus one. Okay. Yeah. He, was, he was pretty close. And he had like a very rough. Uh, freshman season also think he's someone who's better suited to playing on the ball so I question a little bit with Trey but then you watch him man and he's just so much fun to watch like his space creation his elite shiftiness um, I really like his shooting I mean he's just such a fun player to watch so he was definitely someone who would be in the mix for me I wouldn't quite have him in like my upside group where I would have like Kai Jones and Springer and, and Jalen Johnson too is another guy that I would really like for the Hawks um, but Trey Mann as far as like realistic targets he would definitely probably be toward the top of my list just because you know in the playoffs it's just so important to have multiple guys that can play on ball and have that juice and the ability to create their own shot you know you can never really have enough of those guys um, you could see at times when Trey would go to the bench you know for just for brief periods and they would throw Lou Williams out there you know Lou every now and they can have a good game but it would be nice to have another weapon you know so you have 48 minutes of just giving the other team problems at point guard so I, I do like Trey man he's more polarizing you know, if you look at some boards and some mocks, I mean, you can see him in like the early 40s. And I can, you know, I can understand why somebody would be lower on him. Like a, he's, a, he's a tough eval, in my opinion, because I think you do have to weigh like the bad freshman year to some degree. I mean, it counts, you know, it's part of the sample size, but the rate of improvement he made was also impressive as well. So he's someone that, you know, I've tried to spend a lot of time on just because, you know, he's likely to be in their range. So I do like him. Um, like I said, he wouldn't be like a, the, the upside case for, you know, like the upside group for me, but I am really impressed with him. And it's just, uh, he's just so fun to watch. You know, I think I'm just kind of aesthetically biased to that type of player too, you know? <laughs> yeah. Him and him and Trey would be box office. I think that would be one of the most fun backcourts in the league. <laughs> Agreed. Um, but you, you did mention Jalen Johnson and that's another interesting player who for me personally is 
like the toughest evaluation in this class. He's, he's very difficult for me to get a read on. Um, <clears throat> yeah, he's tough. Yeah. What, yeah. What are your thoughts on how he fits in there? Well, what I really like, I mean, it's just the physical profile is just so impressive too. I mean, I, I think he's six nine two twenty. Um, I, uh, he looked really huge to me at like the clutch pro day. I mean, he was just massive. And so I'm pretty high on his defensive upside. And what I like too, is that he brings passing uh, to the front court. Um, both John Collins and Clint Capella aren't great passers. Um, I think that a Kongu could gradually develop, you know, some short role acumen. He's someone who, who has upside there, but it's not yet part of his game. So I like the idea of getting another, you know, four size player who can make passes. You know, that's, that's sort of a missing element of their pick and roll offense. You know, they don't really have a big who can make that extra pass to a shooter or something like that. So, you know, it, it, it takes a lot of, you know, kind of squinting to see what he's going to look like because the half court offense is just pretty scary, at least for right now. But Trey Young is such a floor raiser, you know, in that department to begin with, that he makes it easier for everyone else. So I think it's easier to go through growing pains with him. And just, you know, his ability to handle and transition, too, is just so impressive. You know, like, I, I really like the idea of a big player who can, you know, can at least can, can bring the ball up the floor. And he maybe has some upside as an initiator in half court and, and due time when he you know starts to refine his handle a little bit more. So he's one guy that. I think just makes a lot of sense. And you see him lower down on boards than, you know, I expected, you know, I, I see pointing where he's like in the mid twenties or low twenties. So it's at least conceivable he can make it to them, but he's another guy they could slow play. And I just like, you know, the athletic profile. I mean, I know his burst isn't great, but great body. Um, he's got, you know, he's going to be a plus passer for his position. And then the defensive upside is impressive as well. So he, he's a guy that I really like the upside of uh, for the Hawks. Yeah, I think Jalen Johnson is someone who makes the most sense if John Collins is is here um, because uh, he's not going to be able to, I don't think, play really any NBA minutes early on. Uh, yeah. He's he's like, I, people always bring up the defensive upside and I see it because he does have some really interesting flashes, but he is a complete disaster defensively right now. And, and it's hard to play any NBA minutes if you're a disaster defensively and, and not a good half-court player. Um I think my biggest issue with Jalen Johnson is, is I think we use aesthetics to overrate him as an athlete. Sometimes he is a really good full court athlete. He has great yeah. sprint speed once he gets up to speed and he's really good. Like he jumps really high, really far off one foot when he has a run up. He, he's not a super quick leaper though. And he doesn't have very like, like good short area quickness, you know, like he yeah. doesn't, he yeah, doesn't, he doesn't. He doesn't get around screens. He doesn't jump up like quickly off the ground. Like just like, like those little micro bits of athleticism. He really lacks. He just sort of, he is six, nine and really fast. And that's worth something. It's just, he, he's going to take some seasoning and, and, and Atlanta might be a place to do that. Um, I would, oh, you know, pray Kai Jones is here instead. Cause for just <laughs> in case you don't know, Andrew, like stone and I have Kai Jones top five. Like, I don't know how familiar you are with our boards, but we are like, all in on Kai Jones. Yeah, he would be probably like borderline top 10 for me. I, I think there's still like a good chance that he's just not good, but his, you know, upper tier, you know, outcome is just so impressive that it's worth gambling on for me. So he, yeah, I definitely can understand how you could have it very high. Yeah. Yeah. And, and we don't need to make this a Kai Jones podcast because we absolutely will if we're not <laughs> careful. Um, but yeah. And then I'm also very high on trade man. He mentioned, uh, I, He's sort of a weird fit here, but I, I like what you said, where it's like you can't have enough like shot creator. Like, like there are worse problems to have in this world than you have too many people who are really good at scoring the basketball. Like, you know, you kind of just you figure that out when you can. It's like having too many wings or too much rim protection. Like you just sort of figure things out. Um, but you mentioned some other names, Andrew, who are more in your realistic category. Um, do you want to throw a couple of those out that we can sort of uh, bounce around? Yeah, we've we've covered man, so that would be one just right off the bat that comes to mind. But the one guy that I just always like keep coming back to is just Jared Butler. I mean, I just think that getting somebody in that you know has been a three-year player, I mean, his handles are arguably the best in the class. He's someone who's a 98th percentile catch and shoot guy. He can play next to Trey. Um, he just seems like he's someone that most rookies, you know, it's it's very rare that you get like a positive impact player. But if you had to bet on someone, I could definitely see Butler being that kind of guy. Um, so he's just always been a guy that I've been a fan of, um, even going back to when he was going to go to Bama initially. So 
he's he's a guy that I always kind of come back as like the simple pick, you know. He he may not have the upside, obviously, of a, of like a Kai Jones or someone like that, but it's a really pragmatic kind of pick, you know. If you want to get somebody who has a chance to impact your rotation next year, while also possessing some upside that Butler has, um, so he's a guy that I just think is a very sensible pick. So I'll always come back to him. A stone. Yeah. Guy. Go ahead. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, I'm probably stupidly high on Jared Butler, but uh, I agree with he, he's really good in isolation just because of those handles um it really has there, there's not many like massive holes in his game which is obviously nice like he's i think that's what makes him sort of a good bet to be that productive guy from day one because there's not a whole lot you could pick on him uh in terms of what's going to hold him back a lot uh he's a really good shooter um he's capable i think of handling some backup point guard duties but also can play off of Trey Man or uh, sorry, excuse me, uh, uh, Trey Young. I'm gonna get my trays confused. Um, he can play <laughs> off of Trey Young, I think, but you can also back him up, which is interesting because that gives him a bit more lineup flexibility. Um, can shoot, can pass, can defend at a good enough level, I think. Um, so there's a lot to like about Jared Butler, obviously, and that's why I have him sixth overall. But uh, I really would love that pick for Atlanta. <clears throat> I think that's the highest I've, I've heard Butler at six. I'm, I'm impressed. I've, I've always liked his game. I mean, I think he's an excellent fit for the Hawks. And I think he really kind of nailed what the, what the case is for, for him going there. I mean, it's just a very practical pick and he has upside as well. Um, I would be, I would definitely be excited if they took him. Yeah. Uh, also important note is that he's a young junior, like he, he yeah, or senior yeah, or whatever. Point. Yeah. He, he's like, like, like only like, six months older than Jalen Suggs or something like that or like I think 11 eight, months eight yeah months. eight yeah. months like yeah like um, he's not that old so yeah he's he's still very young and one final guy I'll throw out there um because I know we're <laughs> right now we're just throwing out a bunch of names um one final guy I would throw out there that I think could play uh again off of off of a uh, Trey Young pretty well would be Deuce McBride um somebody who I think yeah. uh, like alongside uh, the lines of like a, a Jaden Springer, they sort of complement each other pretty well. They complement each other's games. Um, so, so what would you think about Deuce at, at 20 here? He's someone I don't find myself having a, a particularly strong opinion of. Um, there's just so many like guards in that range, you know, it, it seems like every time that there's a mock for Atlanta, it has them taking a guard just because, you know, it could be bones. It could be deuce. There's so many guys they could look at there. So yeah, I, I would be fine with that pick. Um, I just like Butler and I like man more. Um, I also probably would have bones to have ahead of him as well, but he's definitely appealing. And I, I think he could fit with Trey and it's another pick that would just be practical. Yeah, that's uh, yeah. I I'm kind of with you where like, there's some people who are very, very high on deuce and, and while I completely get it, it's like, it, I just like, he's just good. He's just very good. And that's, that's a perfectly fine pick at 20. Um, I want to bring up one last name and then Andrew, if you want to keep bringing up names, you can go right ahead. And if not, we can move on. But um, a name I, I, I find really interesting here. Someone who's risen on my board uh, was sort of the last person to change tiers on my board is Cam Thomas. Um, Cam Thomas is a really interesting player. He's someone who is very polarizing. Um, I just, I think like the shot making might be really, really special. Um, he, I think he, like he could have an argument for best shooter in this class, honestly, even though the numbers were sort of weird and he also gets to the line a ton. He's a solid off ball mover. can create an isolation, like offensively, like Cam Thomas, is just a very solid all around prospect, even though he's not a very good passer. Um, you know, there's defensive issues, but Andrew, like, like, do you have any takes on Cam Thomas? Do you feel like he would be an interesting fit here? He's someone that initially I just, you know, I, I didn't really like the fit with the Hawks just because of the defense. And, you know, when you have Trey, I just wasn't as keen on it, but he's really been like a late riser for me as I've come to appreciate his scoring more. You know, a lot of times when I read like scouting reports of him or just, you know, people on Twitter, I always hear that, you know, he's just a scorer. But I think that that is pretty reductive for what his skill set actually is. When, when you look at how he's scoring, I mean, he's doing it in so many different ways. You know, he can score from pick and roll, from isolation. He can do it off handoffs. He can do it off movement. I mean, he's scoring in pretty much every way, every every way possible, you know, and that's, that's very rare. I mean, scoring is still the most important skill in the NBA, especially if you're versatile with it. And I just think it's kind of underappreciated that 
he's very special in this department. You know, you, you don't see someone with that kind of scoring profile come along very often. And I, I think the shooting, I mean, he, what he shoot like 32% on like seven threes a game or something like that. I mean, but the difficulty was tough on those, a lot of those, you know, and, and he shot just under 90% from the line. I think he was like 88% from, from the line or something like that. So the shot really doesn't trouble me at all. I mean, he's, he's going to be a good shooter. I think it's just, you know, he might take some that are tougher than others that could affect his percentages, but those are also, you know, the kind of shots that defense is fear. So, I mean, his scoring really is, you know, stand out. And I, th I think he's worth considering, especially, you know, the Hawks have had trouble generating offense without Trey. He's someone who could possibly be the answer to that. And really, I think that he has like two swing skills. You know, it's it's defense and passing. If he's adequate at either of those, then I'm pretty confident that he'll be good. And I think passing is probably the most likely. Um, I mean, he's not coming into the league as a very good passer, but someone that he reminds me of, at least in some respects, is like the way that Buddy Hield came into the NBA. I mean, he wasn't a good passer and he's, he's still not like a great passer, but he steadily increased his assist numbers. And I think the way he's done that is he's just began to leverage his scoring gravity more and more. You know, if you're a good scorer and defenses react to you, you'll have the ability to make, you know, simple reactive passes that, you know, they don't have to be proactive or you're breaking down a defense. But, you know, when you create advantages, there will be opportunities for you to make uh, the right read if you're willing to make them. And, you know, Heald has slowly gotten better at that over time. And I think that's made him a better offensive player. And I think that that's something that Cam could do as well. You know, he's, he's probably not going to be like a true secondary playmaker type, but I think that he can improve to be, you know, an adequate passer. And if he does that, like I said, I, I think he's going to be good. So he's definitely someone they should consider. Yeah, I am with you. And I, and I think something too, I just want to, I, I feel like I haven't said this on a podcast, but, I think something that could be really interesting about Cam is if you start to try and use him as like a movement shooter, because his balance is like immaculate. Like he is, his balance is, is maybe best in class. It's like, you know, like show that to your sixth graders, your coach in AAU, like, like his balance is so good. I feel like he can potentially be a movement shooter if he really buys into that off ball role. And I, I don't like ever speculating on buy-in because for the most part, I feel like most NBA players, if you tell them like, it's either you do this or you're not going to play when they're 19. They're just going to be like, okay, yeah, I'll do that. Like, I feel like that's just sort of the general uh, way it goes. But uh, Andrew, were there any other names you wanted to bring up here at 20 uh, that you want to, you know, that you want us to hit on? One other guy that, you know, I think would be interesting that I think has a good chance to be there is like Zaire Williams of Stanford. I mean, they're already loaded at the wings, sort of as you introduced at the beginning of the podcast, but you can never really have too many of those guys. I think he was he was pretty close to 6'10 in shoes. I, I don't know the exact measurement off the top of my head, but I know he was over 6'9 in shoes, and you, you just don't get that too often. I mean, he's out, he was obviously a top recruit. Um, he had some off-court. Um, he had some, you know, I think he had a couple of deaths in his family. Um, he had that lower body injury early on, early on in Stanford that just affected him. So I think that there's some circumstances that could explain why he was, frankly, not very good there. Um, but the upside is just pretty appealing there. I mean, you already have a guy – who's at least kind of similar, you know, in profile and Cam Reddish, you know, another guy who was like a top recruit who struggled at in college and, you know, teams are still high on him just based on the profile. So, you know, you could put yourself in a position where if, you know, if Reddish didn't pan out or something like that, you could have another guy who could potentially ascend to that role. Um, so you would have time to kind of bring him along slowly. You wouldn't have to, you know, give him a lot of minutes early on and or anything like that. You could probably do some time in the G league even. So he's someone that I think has an interesting upside case just because it's, you know, if you're getting someone with that kind of profile, you know, someone with the shot making upside at that height um, and you're getting that, you know, at pick 20, I just think there's a lot of appeal to that. I mean, he could just be bad. I mean, that's definitely in play for him, but I would still be pretty intrigued by him. And especially considering that they've done a pretty good job developing talent so far. Yeah. I'm a huge as well. Um, I actually think like he could potentially be like, closer to deandre hunter than than cam reddish because cam reddish is all yeah. about like he's like a silky smooth ball i get i get your yeah. comp you yeah like you i'm really just like, like the, you know a top you know a top recruit that didn't really work out in college mm -hmm. i think is really the origin of it yeah no and i get that but I, but like like i think zaire can be like a legitimately very good defender if things really go his way um he just has to like he has all the right instincts and and tools as a defender he's just He's so skinny, um, but he could be a really interesting defender and that shot making in the mid range, as well as some spot up shooting uh, reminds me a lot of, of like what De like DeAndre Hunter was probably like a top like 75 player in the league this year before he got hurt. Like he was awesome. 
Yeah, um, agreed. If you if you could get like like a fraction of that to come off your bench at the twentieth pick, like that that's a that's a pretty great pick, especially considering there's more upside there. Um, so yeah, I, like I would say like Kai Jones and Zaire Williams might be like my two kind of dream guys here, and then followed by like a Jaden Springer. Uh, Andrew, do you have like like a dream like? Like this is who you really more than anyone else want to be here at twenty for them to select. You know, I've, I've kind of go back and forth between like Kai and uh, Jaden Springer. I mean, I just you know, I trust. I think I trust Jaden Springer to pan out like a little bit more, and I just like that they could get another secondary creator. So I probably would favor him slightly over Kai. But man, it's close. You know, I could I could I could change my mind tomorrow on that. But you know, so it's really one A and one B there. So you know, I, but I probably would have Springer as one A. Yeah, I, I think that's fair. Stone, you have a you're not a Hawks fan, but do you have a if you were like a dream Hawks draft here? You're muted. <laughs> Obviously, Kai Jones is probably the answer for both of us here, but uh, if not Jared Butler, I mean, <laughs> that's yeah, like yeah, pretty much any team. <laughs> As far as like the most realistic guy, I think it would be Butler. You know, somebody that I think has a better than you know fifty percent chance of being there. I would probably say say Butler. And one other guy too, I would I would touch on just before we move on would just be Bowen Highland. I just think that he would be pretty interesting, like the range that he has, and I just think he'd be a really fun guy coming off the bench behind Trey. Uh, you could even play him with Trey. You know, I mean, I think he'd you'd want a little bit more defensive improvement from him, even though he he does have some flashes. Um, but just the range on his threes, man, are just so impressive, and it would just be a lot of fun to watch. I think. Him and him and Cam Thomas, I think, are sort of back and forth for me in terms of who's got yeah. the, the deepest range. Um, but Bones and and Trey Young together, that we talk about Trey Mann and Trey Young, but but Bones and Trey Young would be a lot of fun as well, I think. Yeah, Bones is also like like a really solid self organizer off the ball too. Um, he didn't get to do that a ton at BCU, especially this sophomore year. But if you go back and watch him a little bit more as a freshman, freshman, he played a bit more. Uh, off the ball and, and he has some feel for that it's probably gonna take a little bit to develop but uh yeah i bones would be a great pick here as well the the hawks have i mean they're sort of at a spot where they can kind of just sit on their heels and have all yeah. these guys on a list and it's like exactly. okay well cross them off as they go and whichever one we like best that's here that's what's yeah. so nice about like a spot like this in the draft uh there's yeah, there's some exactly. other places we've talked about like 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 the magic having the eighth pick like i feel like that sucks like that's like a rough spot to be in because obviously like you get to take the best talent on your board, but yeah, it's like a real decision. Like once you're at 20, it's a lot less likely you're going to like pass on real talent and you can just sort of let the board yeah. fall. It's a great spot to be in, especially in their situation too, where they just have so much young talent. So it's like, you can swing for the fences if you wanted on, you know, on this. And, and if you just completely whiff and you get nothing, like it doesn't even really change your trajectory. I mean, obviously you want to hit on the pick, but it's one of those things where, you know, they, they've hit, pretty much on all their picks under Schlink. So, you know, if, if they were to just completely miss on it, it would be fine. Yeah. And I think that's, what's, that's, what's nice too, is they're at a spot where it's like, this pick is a luxury. It, like their squad. Yeah, is, exactly. Uh, I'm, I'm slowly becoming a Hawks fan just because uh, I've always kind of liked Trey young, even though I was sort of low on him. I always kind of was like, he plays, he just plays in such a fun style. And I was high on DeAndre Hunter. I was high on Cam Reddish. I liked Onyeka Kongu a lot. Like, like they're just sort of a team that's consistently drafted guys I really liked. So uh, it's hard for me to not. And if they end up with Kai Jones, like, I'll buy a jersey. Like, I'm just yeah, going. You, that's when you got to hop on. You know, that's yeah, when you're officially I'll, a Hawks fan. <laughs> I got to get, I want to get, like, old school, like, uh, like, Dikembe Mutombo or something. Or Oh, yeah, that would, that would buy you some credibility for sure. What's, <laughs> I'm trying to think, um, I always like to get, like, random uh, T-shirts of guys who, like, who no one like really knows outside of the city. Like I like a Hornacek jersey. I have like a Detlef Shrimp Sonics jersey. Parahantich. Oh, Stone, you got it, man. That's what I was. I was queuing it up. I was ready to say it, and you got it. I was yep, thinking that's the way what's I would Bob. It was like Bob. Um, something. No, he almost had like he was. I I watched this SB Nation video where he had like um. It's like he, it was like a study of Bob's or something. And it was like, he almost had four straight triple doubles, but they took away his last rebound in the last game because he just threw it off the rim to himself. Uh, anyways, <laughs> completely unnecessary tan tangent. Uh, that's what you're here for on upside swings. Um, the Hawks also had the 48th pick and, and we could continue name going all day, but uh, it's probably not in our best interest. So Andrew, I just want to ask you, 
with this 48th pick, like what is your dream selection at this 48th pick? Like if there's one guy who's, who's mocked around this range that you just, you want on the Hawks desperately, uh, who is that guy for you? Well, generally speaking, the Hawks are picking up 48. And it's in this range of the draft, usually about 45 through 60, you're looking at two-way kind of guys. Um, when you look at how their roster could look next year, like let's assume that they bring back John Collins. So they could have John Collins and Gallinari at the four, and they could have Hunter and Reddish at the three. So it, it would be nice to kind of have one other forward who can kind of play either the three and the four, ideally one who can defend and ideally one who could shoot. And when you start to kind of, you know, think about those properties, what, what that, what kind of player that would look like. I mean, the dream pick for me, I think would be Kessler Edwards. I mean, it just, it, it doesn't seem like he can get there. He just seems like he's way too good to be, to make it all the way there. And I wrote a draft profile of him uh, this past week for Peachtree Hoops. And at the time I was writing it, I looked at ESPN's board and he was 45th. I mean, it just, I couldn't believe, you know, he was that low. I mean, I know he has like the weird shot and he played a Pepperdine and everything, but man, if, if I could pick one guy that I think would just be a total home run at 48, it'd have to be Edwards. Yeah. I think that's fair. I, I don't think Kessler gets there. Uh, so I don't I think, either. I mean, he shouldn't. I yeah. hope he doesn't honestly. Yeah. But yeah. I have, I have Kessler at like 15 on my board. So, uh, but stone, <laughs> uh, I can see it. Yeah. Stone. Do you have like a, like a, and you can't say Jeremiah Robinson Earl. That's not allowed. Do you have a guy here that, that you really like like for the Hawks? Um, man, if I can't say Jeremiah Robinson Earl and I can't say Kessler Edwards, uh, I guess I would go with Isaiah Livers. Um, he's somebody, yep. yeah, I, I'm pretty high on at this point. Uh, really good defender, really good three-point shooter. That's about all he does, but uh, he does both of those things really well. So I think that would be a pretty good pick here at 48 for them. Um, yeah. Oh, go ahead. Oh, I was going to say, I don't, I don't really have anything else to say on, on livers there, but he would definitely be one for me too. I mean, he's just such a solid player. If you're getting him at 48, then that's a great value. Sam Hauser would be another guy that I would really like there just to get like a, another shooter in. And I, I don't think that he's going to make it there. Maybe go a little bit earlier, but uh, Wieskamp from Iowa, I like a lot too. He's a good athlete. And I just think he, he's someone who can make a roster. Yeah, um, that would be another interesting pick there. Kessler shouldn't make it to 48, but I think there's actually a chance he does. Um, yeah. It's, he, he's he's going to go in the second round. They're pretty confident. Uh, I'm not sure yeah. if late in the second, but it, it is wild to me how NBA teams seem to value him. It's it's pretty ridiculous. Yeah, and he's 45th, like I said, you know, when, when I last looked on ESPN's board, and usually that board involves some level of intel. So that's the one that, you know, I – I give the most attention to. So that placement definitely leads me to believe that he's going to go in the second round. And I can kind of understand why, like I said, he, you know, other than being a Pepperdine player, he does have a weird shot, you know, I mean, the way his legs land, it just, yeah. it, it, I can understand why scouts are lower on, you know, on that. And if he's not, if he, if you don't buy the shooting, then obviously you're going to, you know, not regard him too high, even though he is a good defender. I mean, he just has to be able to shoot. But when you look at the sample size, I mean, um, he was like, I think, I think a career 39% shooter on good volume. I mean, I just think that when you have that kind of sample, it's generally fairly reliable. So it's hard for me not to, you know, as long as the shot goes down, you know, that's, that's really what's the most, most important thing. But I, I do get that it's, you know, it's an atypical shot form and I can understand how it could, it could drop him. Yeah. And he didn't have the best combine showing for. Uh, yeah, that's another good point. We don't value that, I think, as much as NBA teams do, but. Um, the fact that they do value that, it probably plays a part into it. Yeah, that's a great point, too. Like Kevin Herter, when he came out in 2018, he did really well in the combine, and that, that led to him going higher. I will say, though, like like Kevin Herter, like if you went back and watched his tape, like I don't think the combine should have risen him the way it did. Like I think he just already should have been that high. Yeah, yeah. I agree. I don't think I don't think the combine really should matter much at all in terms of how much you value a guy, but uh, NBA teams still seem to put it into consideration. Yeah. Well, you get to see guys up close. I can understand that. I think Primo, you know, he's benefited from that too, but it, I definitely think it should be very marginal, but it, it, it seems like it, it, it is a tangible effect. I think the part that would really matter about the combine is sort of the part we don't get to see. And that's like the interviews. Cause like, like something I've talked about uh, draft deeper, I was on his podcast. We talked about that. It says it's like, like, I don't ever scout for intangibles, really, because it's just impossible. Like, I, you know, we've talked to one prospect, and that's Brent's Blyenberg, and he's awesome. Like, he's a great guy, but, like, 
like, he worked out for the Hawks too, by the way. Yeah, he's probably uh, caught that. Yeah, uh, I think he, he's worked out for every team at this point now. <laughs> <laughs> I had I had two guys I was going to say for forty eight. He's one of them. Uh, but you know, it's like like that. Like getting to know a player does matter, and you want someone who's going to fit in your locker room. But uh, yeah, with the like for me, like the forty eighth pick, like I would take either Brens or my my actual dream pick for you guys is Matt Mitchell. Uh, Matt Mitchell is just someone who oh, I've yeah. been who I've been way higher on forever. Um, you're I. I don't know if he still does stuff for Peachtree Hoops, but Brad Rowland uh, of the Locked on Hawks podcast kind of put me onto him during last year's draft cycle. And I went and watched him and I just like was very enamored because like I was already a huge Malachi Flynn fan. Right. But when I watched Malachi Flynn, I kind of would just watch him and, and oh, there's that big dude who's shooting threes in the corner and, and breaking guys down off the dribble sometimes. That's interesting. Uh, but like he has like a good collection of skills. Um I just like I just like Matt Mitchell. I don't know. It's it's almost hard to explain because he's a very boring player. It's almost like Isaiah Livers. I like him more than Isaiah Livers because I think he has a little bit more on-ball juice and I think he's a little more athletic than Isaiah Livers and also doesn't have the injury history. Um, but like he's just he's a good shooter. He's an interesting ball handler if you think he can attack a closeout. And he's just like he's six seven and built like a brick shit. He, he like, is a big dude. I he think is he's like probably two thirty five, maybe even close to two forty. I mean, he's mm-hmm. huge guy. Yeah, and, and what what I like about him too is, and this is sort of getting into the tangible thing, but he was like fat for a while, and now he's like chiseled a little bit, and like like I'm a sucker for that because I was fat too, and then I got in solid shape, um, and then and then COVID happened. We don't talk about that. Um, and, and also like like it shows like some level of work ethic right like like what always killed Omari Spellman and and I really do hope the best for him is just that he couldn't get in shape he yeah, could not exactly right he could not beat himself Matt Mitchell has already done that he without the incentive of getting paid millions of dollars like he went out and like before that season where Malachi Flynn transferred and people forget how good San Diego State was before that tournament got canceled they were almost undefeated and they were, I mean, legitimately one of the most fun college basketball teams I've ever seen. Uh, I really thought they had a chance to win it all in 2020. They, they of course, lost to Utah State in the uh, in the finals, I think, of the uh, – I'm blanking on their conference, but of that uh, – Mountain West. Mountain West, yeah. I should know that, Boise State and all. I'm, like, over here. But, yeah, uh, they lost in, like, I think the finals of Mountain West to Sam Merrill and, and uh, Utah State. But, like, Matt Mitchell's just – just a good player overall and it's like when you're at 48 and there's someone who's 6'6 who's a very good player like just draft that person it's the same goes for Kessler Edwards it's like like I I've never understood and I will never understand like the idea behind drafting like bigs and 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 like like guards who who project is like only backup guards who don't have starter upside this late it's like just draft wings like just if you just fill out a roster with wings like if someone goes down that like even like Solomon Hill was not really a good player, but he was like vital for the Hawks this year because he when played a lot down, of minutes. Yeah. When people went down, he was there. Like if you just have guys who are six, seven and can move and do like one thing offensively, like Solomon Hill wasn't really a great shooter, but he could kind of pass. No. He could kind of pass. Like, and that's all it takes like to, to eat some minutes in the regular season. Like that's being able to, to defend, I think at the three and the four is really big. You know, if you can play both forward spots, you can guard both forward spots that's the kind of player that a lot of teams like to fill out their roster with and that's basically what Solomon Hill was he's a really good team defender and you know he of course the drawback to him is that he, he just isn't a good shooter I and mean, you can really kind of ignore him from three but I, I think that that's an area where someone like Kessler Edwards can improve upon I mean I think that Edwards has more defensive upside than Solomon Hill does but he's somebody else who kind of fits in that vein someone who can you know defend both forward positions but he's also just a much better shooter that you have to actually respect and um you know like you said I think you're really just kind of looking you know for physical profile or stats profiles in that kind of range in the draft you know if you can get someone like Mitchell who's like 6'6 six, six and 6'7 six, 235 somewhere thereabouts who was you know a good shooter not like a great shooter then that's just you know the kind of profile that you're willing to take a chance on it's a flyer you know in this kind of range in the draft you're looking for flyers yeah, I agree 100%. Um, speaking of, of flyers, uh, high flyers, that is, uh, John Collins. Um, the last thing I really, really want to hit on, and, and, and we might be able to talk about some more a little later, is uh, this John Collins situation is, is really interesting. Um, it seemed like he was gone. Like, like I, I was very skeptical that he would be an Atlanta Hawk, and then they made a run to the Eastern Conference Finals, 
And now it seems like if they let him go, like they're at a really tough spot. So Andrew, what do you think they should do with John Collins? And what do you think happens with John Collins? Like, like your dream scenario and then the reality. I was actually on, on Brad Rowland's pod last night. You know, we talked about John Collins. So some listeners that, that, that caught that will probably um, be familiar with my opinions there. I'm, I'm just lower on him as a player. And that's not to say that, you know, I don't think that he's great. I mean, he's, he's a probably a top 60 or so, you know, NBA player. He has some vital weaknesses, I think, just on the ball, uh, passing and creating his own shot, dribbling. He's someone that has you know, relatively short arms for his height. And he's, he's someone that just kind of has to dribble high to be, you know, to be able to handle the ball. And it just, it, he doesn't have great balance either. You know, he's someone who's a great, he has awesome body control. He's great in the air, but his actual balance isn't that great. He ends up on the ground a lot more than people think. So I'm just more skeptical that he's going to be able to develop the kind of ball skills that you would want um, sort of as, you know, more of a hybrid kind of, you know, wing forward that like a lot of people would like to have. Um, but like you said, they came within two games of the finals. So it's very tough to let you know, a top 60 player in Collins go, who's entering his age 24 season. You're, if you let him go, you're not going to be able to replace him with someone, you know, at, you know, at, at the same level, it's just not going to happen. You're not going to get that in a sign and trade. So barring some kind of unforeseen, unforeseen, excuse me, unforeseen leap from, you know, what they have on the roster, then you just can't really um, project that they're going to be better uh, without Collins. So it's really just about long-term flexibility. You know, if you're willing to pay luxury and most owners should, but it's just, you know, being pragmatic, they don't want to. Um, so you're going to have to pay Trey, you know, his max deal. And I think he's very likely to get the 30% max, you know, if, if he makes all NBA next year, which I think is pretty likely, especially after the way that he turned heads in the playoffs, then he'll qualify for the 30% max. So that's a huge deal. That's more than Jason Tatum's max will be, for example. Um, so you'd pay him, you're going to have to pay Herter. I mean, you, you said earlier in the podcast that Hunter was a top 75 player in the first 20 games, and that's correct. So you kind of have to bake in a deal for him too. And it's not too hard to see him, you know, being lower on the totem pole now. Um, so he's someone that, you know, it, it would be really tough if he had to match, you know, a full max with like trade kickers and that kind of stuff from the Spurs, if they wanted to do that for Collins. But they can also offer a fifth year. So if they were willing to, you know, do a fifth year for a deal that, you know, pays them approximately, you know, 25 to 27 million annually, I think that would be fine. It would be tradable on that. Um, so it's a tough situation. You know, it comes down to flexibility. I think long term, I just value that. And, you know, I value, you know, players of Collins archetype probably a little less than maybe I should. Um, but he's someone that it would really be kind of cost dependent for me, which is sort of a long winded answer. But that's where I'm at. No, that was absolutely perfect. And, and if it makes you feel better, I'm also quite a bit lower on Collins than I think most. And it's just, it's like you said, it's like players of his archetype, just he's so dependent, right? Like, like if he goes to the Spurs, like what does he look like without the best law passer in the NBA? I, I don't know. Yeah. You and know? he can slip, he can slip every screen too with Trey. That's another thing mm -hmm. too. You can just slip everything when you have a guard that commands the attention of Trey. Yeah. Like, like, like he goes to the Spurs, right. And they have DeJounte Murray and, and I refuse to be guilty of DeJounte Murray. He's like my favorite player in the league, but. He, I like him not, too. He's not Trey Young, right? A, as a passer or a scorer, he just does not have that gravity. Um, I, like John's, John Collins will suffer for that. Like I, I think John Collins is is much easier to replace than his than his statistical profile would suggest. But uh, I understand. I'm I'm in I'm probably in the minority on that. But if it makes you feel better, Andrew, I, I'm with you 100. percent I think. I think John Collins shooting has really opened up a lot in terms of uh, flexibility uh, uh, in terms of his uh, optimal context. I think he has more context to be uh, valuable with, with that much improved shooting. So there is that, um, but I am interested to see what his, what ends up with the Hawks because I'm, I'm assuming he tries to command a max deal. Uh, and I'm not really sure. I think it's going to be close to a max. Yeah. Cause it, the Spurs could have 50 million in cap space when you look at, at their cap sheet. And if you're them and you want him, I mean, there's no point in wasting your time with like a four for a hundred million offer. Just, just, you just go straight for a max, you know, make, make Atlanta have to match, you know, a full max with trade kickers and all that. And then that's when it's going to be tough for, for the Hawks. But one other thing too, that I think is important and part of like the bull case for, for bringing back Collins is that when they actually had, Hunter and Capella, 
and Collins. You know, that that wasn't a huge sample size. I think it was a, a little under 500 possessions on Quentin the Glass. But if you look at lineups with those three, I mean, they were stifling defensively. They really gave teams problems. I wouldn't say that you know Collins was a driver of, of that, but he's a very good secondary rim protector, and he's someone who's improved his defense. And one of the things too with the Hawks is they're able to play two bigs because of the way that Collins can can stretch the floor, and that's a really key you know dynamic of his game. Like like Stone said, he's really improved as a shooter there. So they can just wall off the paint. You know they, they make it really hard to get shots at the rim. And then when they have a stopper like like Hunter, it, it's 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 tough. You know they were allowing a little over 95 points per 100 possessions per cleaning the glass with that sample size. And that was like 100th percentile. I mean, I'm not saying that that's going to last over a full season, but, you know, they could have found a successful formula there. I mean, you know, you're always going to have a good offense as long as Trey is on the floor, but that might, you know, that could be the path to having a very good defense as well. So I think there's definitely a strong case of bringing him back too, especially just for the way that, you know, he could impact their defense. But ultimately, you know, you have a lot of guys to pay and that's just what it comes down to. Yeah, absolutely. Um, uh, that was uh, that was awesome. That was a perfect breakdown of everything going on with John Collins. And uh, I'm still learning. Like, I'm not an expert on like CBA stuff. I'm I'm still trying to get into that. Um, but yeah, I I think Collins. It, it's a tricky situation all around. Um, I just think that Schlenk is in a tough spot. You know, it's sort of like the embarrassment of riches problem, right? Like you draft this well, well someday you got to pay him. Uh, it'll be interesting to see what he values and what he doesn't. Um, but this has been awesome. Uh, Stone, Andrew, if there's anything else you guys want to hit on, go ahead. Uh, if not, Andrew, uh, just tell the people where they can find all your great work. Everything you do is awesome. You're a great Twitter follow. Uh, just let the people know. Well, thanks to both of y'all for having me on. I really appreciate the content that y'all put out this year. I mean, it's, it takes, I think, a lot of guts too, to put out like a public big board. So I always respect people that are willing to do that and put some skin in the game. And I like it. Um, but you can find me on Twitter. Um, a Kelly or A N D L A N K L L. That's my actual handle. You can find me on there. Um, I still have some uh, more draft profiles to come out uh, for Pete's True Hoops, and you know those are going to come out uh, a little before the draft. Um, but you can mostly find me on Twitter. Yeah, yeah. Uh, Andrew stuff is great. Everything at Pete's True Hoops is great. Um, everything SB Nation does is great. Honestly, it's uh, sneakily I'm trying to get on there someday, uh, hopefully. Um, but uh, this has been awesome. Oh, go ahead, Andrew. I was gonna say, do you do you have a team? Uh, I'm like a jazz fan, but I, I sort of just am into everything in general. I I'm talking to um, Motor City Hoops about maybe doing something for uh, like the Detroit Bad Boys is SB Nation. So yeah, there'll be a fun team to cover too. You know, especially if they stay put and they, they take Kate. I mean, I like Killian and some of the other young guys too. Um, yeah, so that would be cool. But yeah, if you you know you're active on Twitter, if you just kind of reach out to the to people, it's, it's not too hard to become a contributor. But that would be a great one to cover. Yeah, that's that's sort of my thought is kind of start there and just uh, just see where it goes. But uh, yeah, this is this has been great. Uh, Stone, the people know where they can find you and what they got to do. Yeah, uh, you could just follow me and all my draft work um, at report underscore court on Twitter. Uh, if you want to follow the podcast at Upside Swings, then any ratings, reviews or subscriptions helps us out a lot. So very much appreciated. Yeah, uh, for sure. We want to thank Andrew again. Uh, seriously, read his great work. Um, he does great draft profiles. And then during the season, his work is, is consistently great. Like you mentioned, he was on the Locked on Hawks podcast, which is uh, another podcast I'd recommend. I'm not a Hawks fan. I listen to it. So uh, there's that. Uh, we want to thank him. And we want to thank everyone for listening. Uh, we are almost there. This is the second to last of our series of team previews. I'm, I'm, I'm as shocked as you all are that we actually are going to get to 30. Uh, but we are rounding that corner and we want to thank you all for listening and supporting us through this. Uh, this has been the Upside Swings Draft Podcast. We hope we are ceiling. Thank you.